episode 80, The Art of Deep Listening with Oscar Tremboli. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. In the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey says most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified. We all have a deep desire to be heard. We know that listening is important, both in the office and in our personal relationships. Yet most of us have never been taught how to do it. For all the courses and training that we've taken throughout our lives and how to be a more effective public speaker, very few people have taught us the art of deep listening. What is deep listening? Well, it is not deep judgment. It is not deeply listening to sound coming out of the person's mind while you formulate a response. It's not deep withdrawal because we get offended by what the other person is saying. (laughs) And coming up this week, you're going to learn exactly how to become a better listener. My guest is Oscar Tromboli. He is passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in homes, workplaces, and the world. Oscar has experienced firsthand the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond the words. Oscar's a marketing and technology industry veteran with over 30 years of experience across general management, sales, marketing, and operations. And today, he consults organizations all over the world. Some of the things Oscar and I will discuss in this conversation is how the words we say out loud might not actually be the things we mean to say. Oscar is going to teach us the different types of distractions that keep us from being a better listener. We'll talk about how being focused on the speaker isn't necessarily the best way to be fully listening to someone. Oscar will teach us the science behind the words we say, the words we hear, and the words we think. We'll learn the four different types of listeners and how your listening type will affect your relationships at home and at work. Plus, Oscar will wrap it up with giving us three tips that we can implement today to start becoming a better listener. If you want to find out more about Oscar or purchase his new book, Deep Listening, impact beyond words, you can go to listeningmyths.com. And if you're loving what we shared this week, let us know you're listening. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag him at Oscar Tromboli, T-R-I-M-B-O-L-I. And you can find me at CSC Dan Mason. Don't forget, you still got two weeks left to get in the running for that brand new pair of Apple AirPods. If you are moved by by what you're learning each week here on the Life Amplified podcast. I'd love to help you amplify your listening experience with some new AirPods or an Amazon gift card. All you have to do is leave us an honest review on Apple. Helps us with the algorithm. Uh, Helps us get this message out to so many more people. The goal here to inspire 100 people to create an amplified career and life they love. So you taking two minutes out of your day to leave us a brief honest review would mean the world. Deadline on that is coming up soon and we'll announce the grand prize winner on the podcast. In the meantime, are you ready to become a better listener? You're in the right place. We're talking to Oscar Tremboli this week on Life Amplified. 
Oscar Trimboli, welcome to Life Amplified, sir. Thanks, Dan. I'm looking forward to listening to your questions today. It's an interesting conversation. You say in your book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words, that we spend really over half of our working day listening. And I guess that makes sense. You know, we're perpetually in meetings, we're in conference calls, we're on voice messaging apps, even, you know, Facebook and Instagram have voice messaging options at this point. But for all the listening that we're doing, it also seems like one of the number one complaints I see and hear from people is that they don't feel heard, they don't feel listened to, and they don't feel understood. What's going on with that, and and what is the underlying root cause that is leading to all this? We see in color, but we listen in black and white, and the reason we're two-dimensional in our listening, we only listen to what people say, and if we take it a level up, we might look at their body language. But although we spend half of our day listening, only 2% of the Earth's population has had any training in how to listen. When it comes to maths, we know it's divide, subtract, multiply, addition, but we don't know what that simple operators are when it comes to listening. Too many of us have been taught that listening is about being fixated on the speaker, and that's a really good place to think about, but the reality is the biggest barrier to everybody's listening thing that gets in their way is themselves listening at level one and then the reason distractions get in our way we've got a research database of 1410 people the biggest thing that gets in the way of everybody's listening is distraction both visual and audio so if all we did was switch off the distractions everybody's listening would improve dramatically and you know dan the cost of not listening whether that's projects that are running late even worse, projects that finish on time but don't deliver what you expected or projects that run over budget and projects that don't deliver on time are just really good examples of the cost of not listening when it comes to business. You know, for me, I'm obsessed about the commercial implications of not listening. That's why I'm on this quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. So you alluded to distraction getting in the way, and I think we have all had an experience of wanting to get somebody's attention, of having to communicate an important point, maybe an emotional point, uh, whether it be at work or in relationships, and somebody isn't taking their eyes off the Netflix screen (laughs) or they're buried in the smartphone. There's a lot of external distractions in the world, but how much do internal distractions play in that really keep us from connecting and understanding each other? Yeah, it's a great point you make because distractions do take three really distinct perspectives, the external, which are both audio and visual, the internal, which is our dialogue with ourselves, as well as the internal, which is our dialogue about the conversation. So both of those can distract us. And the one that distracts us the most is actually the external. That's the one in the research that tells us this has the biggest weight. But if you can switch off the Netflix, you can switch off the text messaging and and the notification from WhatsApp on your mobile device. Once you move into understanding that internally you'll be distracted, it's both your own dialogue. Think of it as a monologue you're having with yourself. And the monologue might sound like, oh, gee, I've, I've got to get to the gym straight after this, or I've got to add something to what I need to do on the weekend, or you're having a conversation with yourself about the last meeting because it didn't go so well, or you've got to have, oh, my goodness, I've just forgotten about that update. In fact, 
Dan, is happening for people who are listening right now. They're distracted listening to you and I in this conversation. And if you understand the maths of listening, it's really simple. I speak at 125 words a minute, but you can listen at up to 400 words a minute. So you're filling in the gap for the 300 words I'm not quick enough to speak to you on. That's a great example of an internal distraction that's driven by the speaker. If you're conscious of that rule, I'll provide you a couple of tips to get over that. But for most of us, we're not even aware that there's a difference between the speed at which we listen and the speed at which the speaker speaks. We are neurologically programmed to be distracted because we need to hear other things for our human survival. So this is really interesting. You're saying that we can speak at 125 words a minute, but we can hear 400 or that we're thinking 400 words over the course of that minute. Yeah, so I'll unpack all three of those. The 125-400 rule, I speak at 125 words a minute. You can listen at 400, but I can think at 900. Whoa, so the, whoa, whoa. Some people can think it up to 1,500 to 1,600 words a minute, but on average, it's, it's 900. So there's a vast gap between what's in my head and what I can say. In fact, there's a one in nine chance, Dan, that what I'm saying is what I'm thinking. Or said another way, there's a, an 80% chance, 89% chance that what I'm saying is not what I'm thinking. So if there's an 11% chance that what I'm saying is what I'm thinking, I would ask a doctor if I had an 11% chance of surviving surgery, I'd ask for a second opinion. But in most conversations, when somebody speaks, we take it as given that what's coming out of their mouth is what they mean. Mm, and the difference mm. between a recreational listener and a deep listener is not what they listen to. It's what they're listening for that's not said. It's helping the speaker to explore those other 800 words that are stuck in their head and get to a point where that's useful. And we'll spend a bit of time today chatting about that. But we've kind of already touched on one of the first myths of listening is the myth that you need to be focused on the speaker. If you're not present to listen, you don't even have the consciousness to understand that what they say may not be what they mean. So a lot of times, you know, we might just be emotionally vomiting the first 125 words that come to mind when there's really, you know, up to possibly a thousand other words that we just haven't been able to get out. So would that explain why sometimes people, A, they say things that they don't really mean or they might not make sense. They haven't fully formulated their own rational thought about what it is they're trying to communicate or it could be both mm. they could be very <laughs> emotional and haven't formulated an idea unless you're a well-rehearsed stage actor the likelihood the first thing that comes out of your mouth is what you mean is there's an 89 percent chance it's not those kind of odds are not worth it here's a couple of things everybody listening will get nod as i say this if you wait just a little longer and say to them a couple of simple phrases. Hey, Dan, tell me more. Hey, Dan, what else are you thinking about on this topic? And you will notice, and this is consistent across cultures. This is consistent across age groups. This is consistent across genders. This is consistent across workplaces and personal experience. The person will draw in a breath and go, well, actually... And they'll use a couple of phrases after that. They'll say things like, well, actually, what I should have said was, or they'll say, 
well, actually, what's really important to me right now is, or, well, actually, thinking about it, I should be talking about, and they'll put, and they'll move on. These change of state and code words means they are peeling those extra 800 word layers off the onion of their mind. And our job isn't to sit there and go eight times, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Quite often, just the second time that they come to a point, we can use silence to help them explore that a little bit further as well. Most people aren't even conscious they can use silence in a really powerful and effective way when it comes to listening. I mean, when I run these workshops for organisations and do some consulting work, I always say to people, and this is a disease in the West, it's very different in the East, in China, in Korea, in Japan, Silence is a sign of wisdom, it's a sign of seniority, it's a sign of authority. If you just pause, it lets their mind catch up with their mouth and then they can think about it a little bit more. But in the West, we use these phrases like pregnant pause or awkward silence and we don't have a great relationship when it comes to silence. In the great ancient traditions, whether that's the Chinese, whether it's the Inuit of North America, the Aborigines of Australia, the jungle peoples of Africa and the jungle peoples of South America, they're all amazing storytellers, which helps people train their listening mind. But what they do really skillfully there is use silence in their stories as well. So treat silence, Dan, like it's another word. Listen to the beginning the middle and the end of silence and you'll be shocked what comes out of the speaker's mouth straight away because a good listener listens to make sense for themselves. A great listener helps to make sense of what the speaker's saying for the speaker. It's your job as a listener to help the speaker make sense of what they're saying. It doesn't necessarily need to make sense for you. Sure. And that's an incredible point you just made. And I want to thank you for sharing that. But I want to go back uh, just to a point that we were talking about earlier. If we're operating at a premise that the words coming out of a speaker's mouth might not actually be what they mean. And I think about this just in terms of maybe marriages, romantic mm. relationships. These, mm. You know, a lot of times when we're speaking, particularly from an emotional place and the words are coming out quicker than the thought process, we can get into using these big grand statements of, you know, you never do this or you always do this, which can be a huge emotional trigger for the listener depending on what your relationship is to the person. This could happen in the workplace with a boss or a colleague or somebody that you respect as well. In my experience, a lot of times that can lead to judging it, right? We can, it can almost put us on the defensive and then listening goes out the window, right? If you feel that somebody is speaking in an emotional way and blaming you or that they're accusing you, it's hard to tune in, in the message because you start formulating a response. You feel like you have to defend yourself. How does that play out in a listening relationship? How can somebody have the presence of mind to not be triggered by what is being said, particularly if the words are coming out in an emotional way where they're feeling attacked, and to really be able to hold that space and help the speaker feel heard? It reminds me of a beautiful story of a CEO I was working with. His name was Mick, and it's about three years ago. And he rang me up on a Monday morning, 
it was about half past eight and he was in his car and so was I. And he said, Oscar, you nearly cost me my marriage last Friday. And I said, oh, Mick, tell me more. He said, it was 7.30, we'd cleared the dinner table, we'd put the kids to bed and my wife sat down at the dinner table, which was completely clear and said, sit down, we need to talk. So Mick sits down and rather than sit across the table, here's a really good listening technique for anybody who ever sits across square tables, try and sit diagonally opposite them and be as physically close to them as possible, which is what he did. He'd been working on my um, deep listening executive program. So he sat down, made sure his eyes were at her eye level. And she said, you need to come clean with me. I know you're having an affair. And he had the presence in that moment to go tell me more. And she said, in the last 90 days, you've paid me so much attention. I know something's different. So just be honest with me. You can tell me. I can handle the truth. Who are you having an affair with? And Mick said, and he paused and he waited and he didn't jump in straight away. And he played a little game and he he put his hand on his wife's hand and said, it's not what you think. I'm seeing a man. (laughs) She started crying. And he said, it's not what you think, though. I've been working with a listening coach for the last 90 days. <laughs> and she breathed out and she smiled and she said, oh, my God, it's like we're dating all over again. I'm so relieved. I've never felt sexier than I have in the last 90 days because you've paid me so much attention. Now, if you talk to Mickey's he doesn't think he paid her enormously much more attention. But what he didn't do is try and fix things. He didn't try and interrupt. And as he said to me just before he hung up the call, he said, Oscar, that was what happened afterwards was better than our honeymoon. And I probably can't go into what he said on this um, recording. But uh, that's what listening can create for the other person if it's done in a way that's about them. Sometimes uh, listening can be powerful. In, in personal relationships. Equally, Dan, you've got to think the absence of listening would create exactly the opposite. It would create distance. It would create conflict. It would create frustration for both parties as well. You talk about this in the book, and you just alluded to it a minute ago, that there are four types of listeners. Now, we mentioned earlier here in the interview, there's the people who are just lost in their own mind. They're either future tripping about the next conversation that's coming up. Maybe they're living in the past about something that happened earlier that day, or they're busy just like formulating a response to, you know, what they're going to say without even hearing what's going to be said. You also mentioned the interrupters. I feel like this is a huge problem for most men. (laughs) We're problem solvers by nature. We want to just fix stuff. Yeah. um, So what the research tells us is uh, men listen to fix and women listen to feel. And guys, the women aren't broken. You don't need to fix them. The mind with the problem is the mind with the solution. If you just pause and listen to them a little longer, you'll be surprised what will happen merely by listening. 
So there's slightly different variations, but not statistically significant between the way women and men listen. But that is probably one of the predominant ways. There's four villains of listening, Dan. There's the lost listener, the interrupting listener, the shrewd listener, and the dramatic listener. And each of those have different kind of characteristics based on what our researchers said. We've talked about the lost, the interrupter definitely is somebody who can't wait for the silence and just jump in. The dramatic listener is a little bit skewed more towards women than men, um, but not much. Again, the dramatic listener will say things like, um, oh, I'm, I'm really struggling at the moment with my manager. What the dramatic listener will say is, oh, you think you've got a bad manager. Let me tell you about mine. <laughs> or they, they might say, oh, I'm you know, really struggling with this merger we're going through at the moment. Oh, you think you've got a tough merger. Ten years ago, I went through a merger. Let me tell you about that. My favorite is a client story. She went to see her boss and had to explain to her that on Wednesday she was going, she needed time off to go to her grandmother's funeral. And by the time the word funeral had gone out of her mouth, her boss spent the next 20 minutes telling her about when her grandmother had died. And at the end of that, my client said, so is it okay if I go to the funeral on Wednesday? They, they think that your story is the stage for them to tell an even bigger story. Mm, God, I, 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 even like, and maybe this means I'm not doing a good job listening because as you were explaining that, I started thinking of one specific family member. No, who, no, that's exactly <laughs> what happens, Dan. <laughs> like, I swear to God, she would have like cut off Martin Luther King in the middle of his speech and been like, oh my God, I had a dream last night too. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> Yeah, and the last listening villain is the shrewd listening villain, uh, disproportionately represented by sales professionals, management consultants, anybody who's an architect, a lawyer, an accountant, anybody who takes a brief and sells time. It could be a doctor. It could be a dentist. And what they're doing is they're listening intently. They're giving you a beautiful nod. Their hand is on their chin and they're listening intently. And you think, wow, this person's really listening intently. What's going through the shrewd listener's mind is, oh, will you hurry up? That's the world's most <laughs> basic problem. You're going to tell me about three more problems before I'm going to interrupt you. And that is so simple to solve. I am so smart. Why is this taking so long? And in doing that and thinking they've already got the solution to the problem, most of the times these people are diagnosing the wrong thing because they haven't listened to what the problem actually is. Mm. So shrewd listeners, um, again, disproportionately represented in those professions that need to take a brief. So, you know, if you, if you want to understand some of these listening villains if you visit listeningmyths.com you can download these and understand more importantly what to do about it uh, listening dan it's relational and it's situational by that i mean you'll listen differently to a manager than you will to your mother you'll listen differently to a principal than you would to a policeman you'll listen differently to an accountant than you will from uh an actor, for example. So that's the 
the relational aspects of it, but situationally you'll listen differently as well. So I'll be honest with you and say, um, hi, my name's Oscar and I'm a shrewd listener in the workplace and I'm a lost listener at home. So I listen very differently when it comes to listening at home because my listening batteries are pretty much dead by the time I get home and lost is the most comfortable place for me to be. But in the workplace, if I'm not careful, I'm a very shrewd listener. We are all those villains at different times, yet because we're not conscious of it, we don't know what to do about it. So once people learn they're listening villains, they always say to me, oh, it's tattooed on my brain. I can never remove it. And then they start the journey to become a conscious and deep listener. One of the other things that we talked about briefly, being able to listen to the unsaid. I've seen that quote from Peter Drucker in the past also. What mm. exactly does that mean, though? Is that reading body language? What does it mean to be able to pick up on the unsaid as a listener? Yeah, so this is the ultimate ninja move of deep listeners. Listening to the unsaid is listening to those 800 missing words that are stuck in the speaker's mind, Dan. Mm. It's not about body language. So level one is listening to yourself. Level two is listening to the content, which is both audio, video, uh, visual, and your state. What's the energy the person's projecting? Level three, listening for the context. They talk about the past more or the present more. Do they talk about themselves as individuals or in teams? They talk about problems or solutions. Have they given you the full backstory? Level four is listening for what's unsaid. When you can untap what's unsaid, everybody begins to make more sense of what happens. When a lot of these common examples we've used, and we've talked about this in the context of one-on-one -on -one conversations. In a group uh, situation I was in, I was doing a workshop in a technology company, and they've been enjoying fantastic plus 30% growth over three years, and everything had flattened out. And I was working with the leadership team, and they were all really energetic team, and uh, a group of 11 men and, and one woman and her name was Elaine and we'd gone around the room and done a very simple exercise describe our company as an animal and it was about 20 minutes before lunch and it was one of those very dusty rooms and everybody was really keen to get to lunch and we'd heard from everybody describing an eagle, an osprey, some kind of really fast bird of prey that could maneuver really, really quickly. And the last person who hadn't spoken was Elaine. Now, we were at noon by the time we'd gone around the room and the CEO was kind of giving me those evil villain laser eyes to kind of look at, he was pointing to my watch, kind of going, let's get to lunch. And I, and I just gestured to Elaine. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask anything. I just put my hand out to her to invite her into the conversation. And she paused and she was a card-carrying member of the introvert community. And uh, they're the kind of people that when you're at a conference and they say, hey, if you're an extrovert, put your hand up. And they put their hand up and they probably clap or they stand up. And if you're an introvert, put your hand up and they kind of sheepishly put their hand up. Card-carrying member of the introvert community will never just disclose that they're a member of that community. They will never put their hand up. That's how quiet she was. Mm. But what she said was, I thought it was obvious. We're a snake. He could have heard a pin drop in the room. Now, Dan, what's going through your head when she says, I thought we were a snake? What are the characteristics of snake? 
that you think about? Uh, well, for me, I think of something that's maybe slimy, that's kind of devious, that's slithering. You know, when you think of like somebody being a snake, that's not usually a good attribute. They're dishonest. And that's what I think the rest of the room thought. We could have stopped there, but I didn't. I said, tell me more. And she said, well, I thought it was obvious. What we've forgotten to do is what snakes do. We forgot to shed our skin for our customers. Why we've been successful is every season we would shed our skin to something new and reimagined because our customers needed that. And in our speed to be eagles, we've forgotten to shed our skin. And the room kind of exhaled and all of a sudden, there was a completely different meaning to what a snake brings to Mm. the conversation. Now, we could have gone to lunch. And I asked the room, is it true? And everybody kind of went, yeah, 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 Elaine's right. We've forgotten about the agility we had in early days. So one o'clock, four, 12 months later, the organization has internal product code names around snake names. They have little snake beanie toys. They include (laughs) snakes in the presentation. They talk about the importance of shedding their skin. And that has many dimensions in the way they talk, they talked about staff not holding back issues in the business. We need to shed our skin. This shedding of skin can, can be completely different. Now, what happened as a result of this, they created two new products because they went back and listened to some customers. And as a result of that, they started growing at 100% rather than 30%, which is what their aspiration was. But the reality is, if we didn't listen to that voice that wasn't heard in that meeting, none of that would ever have taken place. So sometimes, Dan, listening to what's unsaid is as simple as getting the opinion of everybody in a meeting room. Nothing is more frustrating than attending a meeting with six people and you only ever hear from three. A skillful leader, a great facilitator, a great manager will make sure that they hear from all voices. They don't have to be in equal proportion. But if you hear from all voices, you'll hear what's unsaid and then you'll have an impact beyond words as they did in this case. Beautiful. You know, you've illustrated a couple points here. A lot of times when we talk about communication in the workplace, in romantic relationships and friendships with family, it's usually in regards to what is being said. But is it fair to say that perhaps listening is is an even more important skill than than being a great or eloquent speaker? If you can imagine a world-class athlete preparing to train for four years for the Olympic marathon, it's the last event, it's the premier event of the Olympics, and we've all been taught how to speak, and we're kind of like the coach at the beginning of four years for an Olympic marathoner. Imagine we said to the Olympic marathoner, you're going to run all this next four years but you can only use your right leg you can only use one half of what you're (laughs) capable of you would be an amazing runner you would run in circles but you wouldn't be as fast as everybody else communication is 50 percent speaking 50 percent listening and yet most people have by the age of 30 done three training courses on how to listen By the age of 40, they've done 10, and by the age of 50, they've done 20. So it actually accelerates the older you get. And yet, by the age of 30, nobody's done 
any work on understanding what good listening is. Here's three three of my funniest stats, Dan. 86% of us think we're above average car drivers. 85% of us think we're above average IQ. And 83% of us think we're above average listeners. And it's statistically impossible because only 50% of us should be above average on any of those dimensions. But nobody ever taught us what good looks like. None of us know how to do that. So back to the point. The point is this. If you're going to spend half your life speaking and half your life listening, maybe the leadership hack, maybe the communications hack of the 21st century is simply you learning to listen a little bit better because more speaking isn't going to get us shorter meetings, isn't going to get us projects that run on time, isn't going to get us relationships that are amazing rather than frustrating. So like that Olympic runner who's practicing for the marathon, they use both their legs. And the right leg of communication is speaking, the left leg is listening. So let's make sure we got a balanced approach towards yeah. that. Anything in corporate America that reduces phrases like, hey, let's circle back on that next week and talk about this more. (laughs) That is a positive skill, and I am absolutely on board with it. One last question for you, and I would encourage people to uh, check out your book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. And obviously, you give a lot of different examples and a lot of things here in the book that can help people sharpen their skills. If maybe there were three things that that the listener could implement into their life today that is going to help them not just listen to people but truly hear them, what would be the three most important tips that you would give someone? Three tips aren't anything sophisticated or complicated or really difficult. Tip number one, turn your phone to flight mode. Tip number two, drink water. So if you're going to be in a conversation with someone, drink a glass of water. And if you've just had a cup of coffee, drink an extra glass of water. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. And tip number three is really simple. Just listen to your breathing. The deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. So right now, if you just take a breath in through your nose, down into your diaphragm, and then back up in and out through your mouth, if you do three deep breaths like that, it's really simple. I'll tell you how I integrate it into my life, Dan. When I walk into the lobby and I'm about to see a client in a building, the minute I step into the elevator, off my phone goes actually off, not into flight mode, but there are some mobile phone addicts out there, so flight mode is as good as they can get. My phone goes off, goes into my bag. When I go to reception, they often offer me tea or coffee. I always ask for a glass of water and a glass of water for those in the meeting. And then while I'm sitting down and waiting, I just take three deep breaths. That centers me. That gets me present. That gets all the previous conversation out of my head and the next one. There are many, 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 many more tips if you download the five myths of listening at listeningmyths.com. But those three tips address 86% of the issues around distraction that people struggle with when it comes to listening. Switch your phone to fly mode, drink water, three deep breaths. You'll become a much better listener. The more you're drinking water and the more you're focused on your, your breath, the, the less you're cutting other people off too. So I'm sure that... I'm sure that those uh, those are game changers. Oscar, thank you so much for the time today. Where can people go if they want to download the book? Go to visit listeningmyths.com 
Well, go and visit Amazon and you can grab the book there as well. Oscar Tromboli, such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, hopefully you feel listened to today. <laughs> and hopefully our uh, listeners enjoyed listening to the message. It's an important one. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Dan. Really, really enjoyed that interview. Oscar is so passionate on the topic. And one of the things that stood out to me upon going back and listening again was the idea that deep listening starts with listening to ourselves. You know, so often it's hard for us to get our needs met at work and at home because we're not really tuned into that internal GPS. We're not in tune with our intuition, and sometimes we're just reacting at the level of emotion without knowing what it is that we really need and what the request is that we're asking from the people in our lives. And look, maybe you're a person who is disconnected from your own intuition. Maybe you're a person who doesn't feel listened to by the people around you, but you haven't been doing a good job listening to yourself. It's keeping you trapped in a soul-sucking job, keeping you trapped in a toxic relationship. That's what my coaching programs are designed to free you from. If you want to create an amplified career in life you love, all you have to do is fill out the application on my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. If you love the interview this week, if this podcast was meaningful for you, please be sure to share this with your co-workers, share it with your spouse, your significant other, or just screenshot it, upload it to Instagram or Twitter, and let us know you're listening. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason, and you can find Oscar at Oscar Tremboli, T-R-I-M-B-O-L-I. Don't forget his book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words, is on sale now at listeningmyths.com. Quick moment. I want to shout out our listener of the week. It is Rita NCS. She gave us five stars on Apple. She says, since I discovered your podcast, I've been listening to it nonstop on my way to and from work during my break times while cooking at home and even before I go to sleep. I've had countless aha moments while listening, taking notes, and writing down my own questions that I hope to find answers to one day. Rita, so happy to know that the podcast is offering you value. And if you are a person out there who's really enjoying what we shared, don't forget you can get in the running for that brand new pair of Apple AirPods or an Amazon gift card. It's your choice. Just leave us an honest review up on Apple. Uh, The deadline coming up in two weeks. I love you so much for listening. Thank you for spending this time with me this week. And in the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.